Last week I had started on a message uh, based on a word that God had given me. Uh, it came through a very uh, wonderful, quiet moment where, where the Lord just downloaded uh, a word for the congregation, for me individually. Uh, we read last week uh, Joshua chapter 14. Um, and then we read a couple of other verses. I'm going to quickly scan through it for those of you that uh, were not here last week, but I'm going to get into part two of it today. So let's read briefly Joshua chapter 14. We're going to read verses 6 through 14. And then I'll share some things that I had shared with you last week briefly. The word of the Lord reads as follows as I um, go to part two. of The breakthrough is on its way. Praise the Lord. <laughs> then the children of Judah they came to Joshua at Gilgal, and Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me, made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly, and the word W-H-O-L-L-Y, completely, I wholly, completely, with all my heart, followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly or completely followed the Lord, because you have wholly uh, followed the Lord my God. Now, Behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years. So now Caleb is 85 years old, right? And he's talking to Joshua, reminding him of the promise of God 45 years ago. All right. So now behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am. 85 years old, and yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so it is now. So is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spake on that day, or spoke on that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord may, will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. The Anakim were giants. And notice he says that uh, I am just as strong now as I was back then for war. How is it that God's given you something and you, you have, you, yet you start to fight for it? And part of the word last week was reminding you that just because God's going to give you something doesn't mean that you're not going to have to fight for it. And that's what a lot of God's people think. They've bought this thing uh, where it's a brainwashing technique that TV uses today. Not TV, but the, the people behind the TV, uh, where they w want you to think that you deserve to get stuff for free. You don't deserve to get anything. Who told you you deserve anything? Anything we get, we have to work for it. Amen. So if you can get some for free, hey, thank God for it. But that's not the norm. That's the exception. All right? Now, don't get me wrong. We want people to get help. But the bottom line is, the truth is hard. The truth is cold. You want something, you have to work for it. Amen. You have to fight for it. You, ha you have to, you know, get your hands dirty. You have to do something for it. You can't just be home and getting stuff. Because after a while, the ones giving you the stuff might not be there anymore. Right. And then what you're going to do? Where was the next one? No, no, no. And this man understood it. He knew it. So there were several big principles here. Number one, he completely followed God. He didn't half follow God. God was first. He was not second. He was not third. He was not fourth. And because of that, one of the greatest miracles I can see here is that over a million folk did not get their promise. But one guy, actually it was two, it was him and Joshua, who in the time of test, when the enemy was there and God was saying, take it, it's yours, I'm giving it to you. Over a million folks said, we can't do that. Th these guys are too big for us. But God said, take it. I said, we can't. But God said, you can. Two guys dared to believe God. All of those folk died out. And they didn't receive the inheritance. And those two that decided to believe God went in, got their inheritance, blessed their kids with it, blessed their posterity with it. Doesn't that tell you something? Yes. Why is it that we choose to follow the crowd all the time when the crowd's going to die out? Yep. If you decide to follow God, your crowd around you will die out and you'll still be standing. Amen. You might go through the battle, but you'll still be standing. 
Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. So Joshua blessed them. The word blessed means to empower, to authorize. He blessed them and he gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite to this day, because he wholly or completely followed the Lord God of Israel. But it doesn't say in those verses, then he went in there and he had a fight. And he kicked them all out. He expelled them all out. Why? Because he was authorized. Now, were they big? They were still big. They were still nasty. And they were still horrible. And they still growled, you know. <laughs> and they still had their spirit. He still went in, in there and kicked them out. Because he believed God. He believed God in his word. Hallelujah. Amen. I can't say enough about how important you know your true currency. Your currency is faith in God and his word. Your, your currency is knowing that even though you might be outnumbered, outmanned, outgunned, so to speak, but greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I know what I'm up against, but I'm not alone. Almighty God is with me. He's on my behalf. God and me are the majority. Hallelujah. No one is bigger than almighty God. Somebody said, the man upstairs. He's not a man. He's almighty God. He's not limited to us. Praise God. So I don't care how big they are. I don't care how nasty they are. Almighty God knows how to take them down in a moment. Hallelujah. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 4, the battle is not against man anyway. So somebody's treating you nasty, there's a spirit behind that person. There's an attitude behind that person. And you, all, you know where that is. You know that very person that's hating on you today could love you tomorrow. You could turn that thing around. You have the tools, the weapons of warfare to change the atmosphere in any place. Be a job, be at home, be a family, even church. You have the, ad the, the atmosphere that can change something negative into something positive. Because the Spirit of God is a God of love. See, that's His context. God is the God of love. God is love. So when the Spirit of God in you and through you flows freely, unencumbered by attitude, unencumbered by offense, what flows then is love and it'll change the hate. It'll change the, 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 the horrors out there. It'll change the disillusionment. It'll change the lack of hope into hope. Praise God. Amen. So give him some praise today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask, Lord God, that you would speak today. Think through my mind. Speak through my lips. I pray that you move mightily in our hearts. Uh, Lord, grant us revelation knowledge. And also at the same time, open up our hearts and understanding that we might be able to take our part, my God, that it might become a part of our life uh, a view, a world view, my God, that, that we might know in our heart of hearts, not just with a mental ascent, but a, a, a faith of the heart, my God, that you are with us, Lord, that we might start really declaring as God's people, my Father, declaring your word, speaking to the mountain. Now try to fight against it. Just speak to the mountain and the mountain will be moved, Lord God. Thank you, Father, for that mountain-moving faith. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated in the presence of God. So last week, I was sharing with you how um, when I got up in the morning, I had an unusual experience like I had several years ago. Uh, where it was just so clear, it was just uh, God just downloading uh, a beautiful word to me. And, and he said, do you think it was a hard thing that God would deliver his people? That God would bring them out of bondage? That God would be able to place resources into their hands? And then, and then I started thinking about what he was saying. And out came this, today the world boasts about all of their wealth their houses, their cars, their toys. You know, we watch them on TV uh, and they think they're big and bad. They think that's the important stuff. Uh, however, that's a small thing for God. That's not big that you have two, 10, 20 houses, that you have three limos, you know? And, and you know, I look at today's quote unquote people that we want to model after, uh, the Miley Cyruses of this world, the Madonnas of this world, and, and, and you know, all the rappers of this world. I, I look at them and they think they're big and bad. Yeah, they think there's something special. They got entourages walking with them, just worshiping them. To God, he said, that's a small thing. That's a really small thing. And not for nothing, but if you look at their private lives, many of them are messed up. Even Miley Cyrus herself admitted she's messed up. Really messed up. And I, my heart goes out to her because, you know, you, you're, you're too young and you're getting too much power or perceived power because that could be taken away in a moment. It could, it could actually destroy you, and it destroys a lot of our young people. What's important to God? The restoration of his family. The things, the toys, that's, that's just an add-on. God always would bless his men of old 
with the stuff because they sought the kingdom of God and its righteousness first and all these things were added on. But that's all it was. It was just an add-on. It was not the primary thing. We mentioned yesterday the, the biggest fight we're having today is a fight for our faith. That's the key. And that's what we're dealing with right now. The enemy knows that that's the currency of heaven. He knows that a man, a woman of faith can move mountains. See, today we've learned, like I said last week, uh, to fly over the mountain. We got planes. We have, we have helicopters. We've learned to ride around the mountain. We make roads around the mountain. You know? Uh, I remember when I went to my dad's uh, family, he was, they live on top of a mountain. And uh, uh, the roads are very tight. Uh, two cars drive at the same time. One goes one way, one goes the other way. But yet it's just a one-car road. So how to pass, I don't know. Don't ask me. I saw it actually happen. But I could have swore that that car was going over the hill. But the bottom line is, that's not the God way. And some people, they, they, they uh, blast holes under the mountain, and the, and the cars will go underneath, and the trains will go underneath. But the bottom line, God said, speak to the mountain, and the mountain will be moved. The mountain of your problems, the mountains of your issues, the mountains of the limitations that you're allowed to be set up in your mind. I'm very concerned about God's people, because we have so many limits in our mind, so many limits that people impose upon us, that circumstances impose upon us. And last week we mentioned that uh, we have failures of the past, but God is now building a bridge from our past into our future. And, and He's saying that He's building that bridge so that all that had been lost in a prior season, now He's reorganizing it and helping us to take it into our future. So what you lost, you really didn't lose. Whatever the enemy took from you one way, he's going to have to give it back to you in another way. Yes. Might not be the same exact thing, but it's going to look better than that thing. Yes. So whatever you lost, it's not really a loss. God just invested it into your future. Amen. He invested it into your training. He invested it to make you wiser, yes. to make you smarter. And, and if you hear God in this day and you follow wholly after God, H-W-H-O-L-L-Y, wholly, completely after God, God is going to help to restore all that that the enemy stole from you. Hallelujah. Yes. Amen. What's the victory? The victory is our faith. It's the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Praise God. Then he, he shared this with me. I, I really heard this in my spirit strongly. He said, this is a new day. This is a new year. This is the year of the breakthrough. And, I, and when he was sharing it with me, then it, then it hit me. Hold on a second. What do you mean this is the year? This year is almost finished. It's, it's, it's already September. Last week, it was New Year. God doesn't go by our calendar. When he says it's a new year, when he says it's a new season, uh, believe it. <laughs> I'd rather believe him than my calendar. He has another calendar, praise God. And they celebrated, the Jewish folk celebrated New Year's just last week. So according to that calendar, it's not the Gregorian calendar, it's a Hebraic calendar. According to that calendar, it's a new year and it's a new season. So I mean, where are those things? <laughs> I mean, we, should, we ought to have been celebrating. <laughs> I mean, why wasn't uh, Times Square filled up? See, that's the world's celebration. But my celebration is different. I celebrate a new year when God said it's a new year. I celebrate a new season when God says it's a new season. And last week he told me, I'm in the mood to usher in a new season. Hallelujah. This is the year of the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. This year, we will see the manifestation of God's promises to us. If we just dare to believe God and place our hands in the plow, we will see all of the hidden opportunities that have been hidden um, before uh, this point around us. The only limit that exists around us is in our heads. It's breakthrough time. That's what I heard last week. And so I've been walking around, uh, you know, expecting my breakthrough time and looking at it. And I says, my God, we have been in the process of breakthrough. But sometimes breakthrough doesn't look like breakthrough. Sometimes breakthrough just comes little by little, soft and quietly. You hardly even notice until the thing is finished. Right now, you are on your journey to your breakthrough. I'm telling you, in a couple of months, this congregation is not going to know what hit it. Gonna be, there's going to be so much activity, and you're going to have to get your act together. You know, you know what happens when, when uh, a very special day comes up, or you have an interview or stuff like that? You know, last minute comes, and you, you know you didn't do everything that you have to do, or the day before vacation. So, oh my God, oh my God, I forgot this. I forgot that. Remember that? Yeah. Does that happen to anybody here? Yeah. Yeah. Two people raise their hands. The rest of you, the altar is open for liars. 
Come on, come on. Each and every one. <laughs> we get into that, and suddenly we're, we're, we're nervous, and, and, and we're, but what's going to happen? Oh, my God. It's because when, when you get to that place, it overwhelms you. You don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, if we don't get prepared, if we don't get into Sunday school and start preparing ourselves, there are going to be so many people that are going to show up on our doors. One day, you're going to look around, you're going to say, oh, my God, where did all these people come from? And if you're not ready, and I say, okay, open up a, a service in your house. I don't know. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it then. That's not the time to, to say, okay, uh, let me get trained. Give me three months. No, we're giving you the three months now. Because I'm telling you, by the time December, January, February, March hits, uh, there's going to be a lot of new people. And they're going to be like little birds. You ever seen a little bird getting fed? All they do all day, cheep, 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 cheep. And, you know, if they're next to your window, it drives you crazy after a while. Cheep, 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 you know. And, and, and the mother comes in and they, they eat, you know, they just, they're so hungry. And that's what's going to happen. You have a whole bunch of hungry folk coming in. So I appreciate your attitude you, know, and your heart because when they come in with their guns and everything, with their guns and everything, we got to love on them. We got to cast those devils out and, and love on them and cast those philosophies out, that hopelessness out. They're, looking, they're actually looking for fathers. That's what they're looking for. And so some of you men, you've been very comfortable. It's time to get off that comfort. It's time to, to allow that father anointing to come forth. A lot of these young, what they, young men, what they need is fathers that will love them. And we'll put them in their place and speak to them eye to eye like a father to a son, spiritual father to a spiritual son. Praise God. So I'm excited about that. So the breakthrough has been happening little by little. But once it starts rolling out, sometimes God then goes from from the one position to the second position. You know? And then suddenly goes to third. Sometimes he just goes to one to four. And you just got to flow with it. All right? So all of you that are nice and comfortable, you better get ready. Say say to your neighbor, get ready. Tell your other neighbor what you've been waiting for. <laughs> praise God. Amen. Come on, give him some praise. I'm grateful to the Lord. Jeremiah 33 3 said this Call to me, and I will answer you. I'll show you great and mighty things that you do not know. Hallelujah. I also shared, um, the Lord uh, sh- showed this to me. He says, Don't you understand that the more seed you sow, the more you'll have and possess? That blew me away because I know that if I sow seed, I'll have a harvest. But think about it. If you have an acre of land and you could potentially sow 1,000 seeds, it's your land, you have the seed. All you need to do is get up early and sow the seed. And once you have 1,000 seeds in the ground, most of them will bear a harvest, yes. uh, develop a plant that will give you, each plant will give you five, six, seven stalks of corn, whatever that, whatever that is. Well, eventually it becomes a forest because it also gives you seed. You plant that and give seed, plant that. Yeah. But just, just for the sake of argument, you have one acre and you could plant a thousand seeds. Let me ask you a question. You being the owner, how many seeds are you going to sow? You sure? You have a thousand seeds and you have an acre of land and you could fit a thousand seeds in that acre. How many seeds are you going to sow? Hmm? You said a thousand? You sure? All right. He says he's sure. Okay. You sure? Well, I was. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That's, all right. It's not a trick question. I mean, maybe not because you don't want them to strangle out each other. Not, you have to leave room for growth. Okay. Let's say, let's say it's an acre and you could put a thousand and you uh, submit it into the equation that there's enough root system for the thousand. All right. Okay. I, I give you that argument. No problem with the roots. It's all right. It's all good. You're going to put a thousand? <laughs> Do you hear what she just said? I remember a prophetess came to our church one day and she shared this. She bought a house and she just got into this thing. She wanted to start uh, sowing for, for tomatoes. I think I told you the story. And guess what? She sowed the seeds. The tomatoes came out. The trees came out and, and the vines came out. Oh, my God, so many tomatoes. She went into the kitchen and started eating tomato pie and tomato this, tomato that. I mean, after a while, tomatoes are coming out of her ears. It's just too many tomatoes. So she went, started giving it to her friends, her neighbors. And, and after a while, she didn't know what to do with it. So she had to actually put it in the side of the road, hoping that someone would just pick up the tomatoes. And most of it was lost because she couldn't handle the harvest. It was too much. So it's, it's a great story. So, again... If you have an acre, 
<laughs> several things, several things in, 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 this, in this thought that I'm going through. Number one, most of you won't do it because you're too lazy. You're just too lazy. Just won't. You know why? You're not doing it now because you have the seed. And God said, sow a lot and you will get a lot. It's, it's in the scripture. That's faithful. You're too lazy. You won't do it. Because you have it now and you're not doing it. See? Or you're putting too many things in front of you and you're always too busy to sow a seed. Yet, the Bible says when we sow the seed, that's when we reap the harvest. Interesting. So we're giving more importance to things that don't really give us a harvest. Is this too hard for you? Should I just go back and say, God is good. I, amen. Let's do some jumping jacks and celebrate that God is good. <laughs> some of you are too lazy. Some of you are too busy. You, you, but you put the wrong things in front. And see, so what God says he loves a cheerful giver. And, and that's not just only in the context of giving. It's also in the context of sowing love, sowing friendship, sowing ministry. Ministry is not what I do here. Ministry is what you do out there. Amen. Ministry is the small group. Ministry is after the shooting. What are you going to do with those families? What are you going to do with those young folk? What are you going to do with that gang you know, and the other gang? Because it never ends. I shoot you, you shoot me, I'll shoot you back, and you shoot me again, and I'll shoot them, and they shoot them. Yeah, it's just, it never ends. Because that's what the devil does. It's, it's, it's a cycle of destruction. But who's, who's going to break that cycle? See? Because what happens is, when God's about ready to move on earth... He will first give a revelation to a man or a woman. He'll give a revelation to his body because that's how he works on earth. In, in, in Genesis 1.27, he made it clear. Man is in charge. He created man, and then he says, man, you're in charge of all the affairs of the world. So now, once God issues a law or a decree on earth, that becomes law on earth. It becomes law uh, in the spirit realm. So man is in charge of everything that happens here on earth. When God's about ready to do something on earth, he will reveal it to man and let man do it on earth and then empower him and bless him. See, he will not move on earth without a man's help because God established it that way and God honors his word. He's not like many of us. We say something, but we don't mean it. When God says it, he actually means it. That's why when, uh, when, when you couldn't satisfy the sin issue, what did God have to do? He said, I myself will become a man and take care of stuff. And Jesus, man, was the one that had to die on the cross, not Jesus God. Because God made man in charge. So man messed it up, Adam. So last Adam, the Bible calls Jesus the last Adam, he had to come in and fix what Adam messed up as a man. Amen. Praise God. So what is happening is God's now revealing it to us. He's, he's, he's getting us into that place of breakthrough. Not for us, because we know we're blessed. We're already blessed. But it's for those that don't know it yet. The breakthrough hasn't happened in their minds. The breakthrough hasn't happened in their hearts yet. But we have to know the blessing is not going to come without a fight. Because last year I shared with you, uh, the Bible says, there's no one that has lost mothers and fathers and lands and brethren for my sake that in this life would not gain mothers and lands and homes a hundredfold over. Together with persecutions and in the next life, eternal life, right? So God is saying, whatever you lose for my sake, I'm going to make sure in this life you're going to get it back. And it specified it. It said, in this life you're going to get it back. If you remain wholly faithful to God. You see? That blew me away when I read that and I understood it. God says, that's the easy stuff for me. The hard stuff is I want my sons and daughters back home. So I want you to partner with me in that. Yes. Praise God. So, but the point is, the persecution and the hundredfold go hand in hand. Right. So when, when God was speaking to Joshua and Caleb, he says, there's your blessing. Now pass your persecution into your blessing. What's your persecution? You fight your giant, overcome him, and go into your land, because I've already authorized you. Yes. It's a fixed fight. You're going to win. Amen. I love fixed fights. <laughs> oh yeah, man, I love fixed fights. Especially if I get the inside knowledge. Oh yeah. It's an easy bet. <laughs> well, God was saying it. It's yours. Just go in there. You're going to defeat them. I'm authorizing you. And God would do whatever it took to make sure that they win. Because his word is on the line. His word doesn't fail. See my point? But they had to fight their way through the problems and the issues to get on the other side, which was their blessing. So what is it that uh, God is uh, sharing with you? What is God speaking to you? It's going to involve a fight. Yes. It is. 
anything we do that makes us better involves some form of resistance. You don't believe me? Okay. Take a picture of yourself now. From here up. Just let yourself go and just take a picture. And just take a picture. Right? And just imagine yourself with a six-pack. Ripped. Within a year. Right? And take a picture of somebody that's already ripped. And put it next to your picture. Now. Later. Right? This is what I'm going to be in a year. Right? Okay. Now, what do you need to do in order to become that? Hit it hard. Hit what hard? So I got to punch myself? What? Huh? Jim and do what? What do you do that, that is called a workout? Okay, discipline, yeah. But, but what, what, what's that? What, what's the workout? What is calisthenics? What's cardio? What's running? Work. Work. Okay, uh, uh, eventually, after maybe 90 times, you're going to get to it. The point is, it's resistance. Whether it's weightlifting, whether it's cardio, you're, re- it's, it's, you're providing resistance against your current system. And what happens, you feel miserable. It hurts. The muscles on your muscles, on your muscles hurt. Muscles you never knew had start hurting. It all comes alive. And you feel like you're going to die. You don't die. Two weeks, three weeks, four weeks later, you feel better. You're breathing easier. You could run where before you couldn't run. Three months later, you're starting to feel, oh, I got a pep in my step. Six months later, you're starting to see a little definition. A year later, later you're starting to see your stomach flatten out. And it doesn't happen right away. And by the year, two years in, you actually start to see a little definition of a one pack comes out. <laughs> one and a half pack. <laughs> and a little flab, and a little less flab, a little less. And boom, you're, you're, then you're in your after picture. But from your... Before to your after is a lot of resistance. Everything in life that's worth its metal, you have to provide some resistance. You have to fight a fight. Amen? And this is what most of God's people don't want. They want the blessing. They just don't want the process. (laughs) They want it. Oh, yeah. You want that? Yeah, man. You believe for it? Absolutely. Good. Faith and works. You have the faith for it. The Bible says faith without works is not biblical faith. It's dead. In other words, it's mental assent only. See, yeah, I know about it, but it's not real faith. Faith, according to the scriptures, is faith in action. Faith is a faith that's willing to go through a fight. Faith is a faith that's going to go through a persecution, misunderstanding. Uh, it's going to go through issues. It's going to go through disagreements. It's going to go through people picking on you. Or bullies against you, whatever it may be, but on the other side is your victory. On the other side is your blessing. God's going to turn that thing around. Sooner or later, He's going to turn it around. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It blesses my heart because if I know I'm going to go through a fight, I know in the end I'm going to win. All right, I don't mind a black eye then. No, yeah, give me a black eye. Pooh, oh, you see, I fought a big fight. Because later on, I'll show off with it. So I still get the belt, right? Praise God. So the revelation point was God's gonna, God has already begun to add these things, which are the small things to him, but it won't come without a fight. My God. I also mentioned how Chuck Pierce had said that this year that's just coming in now is a year of open doors. Say to your neighbor, there are open doors for you. Open doors are going to form. Open doors are going to open up just for you. I'm going to say it again. Open, up, open doors are going to open up just for you. I'm going to say it one more time. Open doors are going to open up for you. Where in the past they were closed, suddenly open doors are going to start happening this year. Start looking for them because open doors are on their way. Glory to God. Expect something new. Days of restoration are coming. Praise God. God is breathing on our faith. And I love that when He breathes on us. I love it when His Spirit comes upon us like the song said, Spirit rain. I'm expecting that rain. Last week I, I, I sensed it. I just felt that. I felt like it was like the beginning. I'm starting to sense the little droplets. Praise God. It's, they're on their way. He's polishing our shield of faith. We're not going weak. We're coming in strong. Praise God. So let's go a moment to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. And I'm going to park here a couple of minutes. 
I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18. Paul said this, A final word, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against the mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you'll still be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body's armor or the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you'll be able to be fully prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So the first thing I want to share this week is, number one, be strong and courageous. See, God does not need you weak today. He needs you strong and courageous today. He said, I'm giving you the land, and he says, be strong and courageous. See, he needs for you to really take on his attitude. God is strong and courageous. He needs for you to take on a new mantle, uh, the mantle of the strong and courageous, not the weak and mealy mouth. Hallelujah. In Joshua chapter 1, 6 and 7, God told him, instructed him, you know, you're going to lead the people in, but you need to be strong and courageous. See, if you're going to run for any office, you better be strong and courageous because people are going to criticize you and the higher office you go or the higher responsibility you have, you're going to have to fight fights that you never knew existed. Really. And you you can't easily be um, dissuaded or disillusioned or offended. In in my responsibility, let me tell you, when when the people I'm dealing with, um, they hit me, they don't hit me, you know, like, you know, they don't do that. They hit me to, to, to knock me out. When they come to, to bring me correction, uh, it, it can be very painful. But depending on your attitude. You see, depending on your attitude. I've learned that when they come at me hard, that's their style. It's just the way they do business. They'll cut your head in a second. There's no love at that level. So I realize that now. So when I'm in a board meeting and they're hitting me hard and, and, and they're vetting me and, and, and they're, 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 they're holding me accountable to something that might have gone over budget and they're angry and they're lashing out, you know, hey, this is why. You know, I'm looking at says, you're right, you're right. And I understand your point. However, having said this, this is the reason why. No, but you could have done it this way. Uh, I understand how you feel. But in reality, this happened and it was unforeseen and that's the way life is. We're going to get this, we're going to get this, it's going to take three more weeks. Three more weeks! I'm going to, you mean you're going to put me out of my, my peace three more weeks? That is so ridiculous. That's, uh, the, 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 that's incompetence. The word, their favorite word is unacceptable. That's their favorite word. It's unacceptable. And I go, be it as it, as it may, I understand you feel it's unacceptable, but it's going to take you three more weeks. That's the best I can do for you now. Next, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, and that's it. You see them, <laughs> then they'll write you a letter and they'll write the other one's letters and this and that. And, and he says, we will do the best we can. And we appreciate your, your concern. We appreciate your input. You know, it makes us feel great that we have a team of leaders. Uh, oh, and I'm going, I'm going, <laughs> but you have to give them that. You have to give them that. But see, in my earlier days, they would say, it's unacceptable. I said, unacceptable. Take your job. Oh, yeah, I get so angry. I walked out of jobs. I walked out of jobs. I got so angry. I I would tell them, I said, and I take your letter, and I said this. I quoted this. I quote what I told somebody in a board meeting years ago. (laughs) They gave me a letter, and the letter, I didn't like it. I didn't appreciate it after having worked so hard. They, you know, this person just obviously didn't want me there. He wanted somebody else in there. I had no write-ups, nothing for oh, almost five years. And this man, suddenly out of nowhere, gets on a position, and now he wants to, you know, uh, he wants to show he's big and bad. I go, you know where I'm going to file this? I'm going to file this under G. You know what G is? Garbage! <laughs> I went just like that. And the guy was, he went just like that. You should have seen his face. I should have, if I had an iPhone, I would have gone. <laughs> that was one of the finest moments I've ever had, you know. 
the moment after when I didn't have a job, that wasn't so fine. <laughs> but, but, but that moment, man, I, I enjoyed that moment. I was just, mm, mm. I enjoyed that moment as much as I could. <laughs> Didn't, didn't realize, you know, uh, my lack of wisdom didn't take me like three weeks out that when I didn't have a job, when I had to pay the rent, didn't work out too well at the end. <laughs> but I realized, you know, you have to know which, which mountain you're going to fight for, which, which line you, you, you're going to need to cross and be willing to put your life on the line, whether it be business life or even personal life. Some aren't worth it. Most situations aren't worth it. We get angry for anything. We get offended for anything. But yet God says, be strong and courageous. We have to be strong and courageous in this day. Not let little things get the best of us. Because it's not about you anymore. You're in. It's about those that you're bringing in. So God told Joshua, Joshua, I'm going to use you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to work through you to bring all these people into inheritance. Where that previous generation, they tested me 10 times. Where that previous generation would not believe me, would not trust me, you are going to help them to come in. Because you have a different spirit. You have a a, a spirit that followed me wholly. W-H-O-L-L-Y. You're going to bring them in, but be strong and be courageous. Because God knew the issues he was going to have to deal with. Because God knows humans better than us. He knows that there's circumstances. He knows there's issues, there's pro- their problems, there's setbacks that happen. But when you are focused, the setback comes, oh man, shucks, okay, let's handle, the, let's handle this. Look, look what the New Jersey governor said yesterday in the news. You know... After Sandy, they build up that section. And now it's burned to rubble. Just the other day, the whole thing burned. A whole section of it, a whole swath of it just burned. You know, he said, okay, it's over. We're going to build. I'm going to give $50 million. We're going to build that thing. We did it once. We can do it again. We're Jersey strong. See, you know what he's doing? He's encouraging them because there's setbacks that happen. Well, you know, oh, my God. Oh, God. Why are you doing this? Yeah, there are people that actually do that. They'll look up to heaven. And then it, wasn't, it wasn't God that did that. It was a friar. A friar b- b- burned the place down. But we want to blame God for everything. No, no. God said, I don't need you to be like that. Hey, everybody's crying around you. And you're, you're Joshua. You're, and they're crying. <laughs> no. He says, get up. <clears throat> get up. Come on, come on. Enough. Wash your faces. Let's do it. Come on. Remember what God said. You see, that's what people need right now. They need strong leaders. They don't need mealy mouth leaders. Amen. They need leaders that are not going to lose it. Amen. They're gonna be, they need leaders that are going to have metal. They're going to have toughness to deal with the issues. It's a stand. Go through it and remain standing. Amen. I didn't think about that much until not so long ago. You know, we went through a fire as a church. We went through processes. And, and some of the leaders I met that I hadn't seen for years said, Victor, how are you? It's good to see you. You know, one thing we respect about you and your congregation? Oh, what? It just it didn't even go through my head. He says, you guys endured all of that. You had to do travel. You had to go from one borough to another. You had to deal with so many issues. You remind us of, of a congregation that's been through a fight and continues to endure. We love that about you and your congregation. Amen. Amen. Meanwhile, I says, uh, in my sense, I, I don't know how to respond to that. But then I, I got it. That's what people look for. Yes, yes. The average person would just fall apart. Right. But they love it when they see somebody that's willing to stand, Amen. goes through the problem and stands, goes through the issues and continues to go ahead. And that's the type of, God, uh, the, the, that's the type of person that God will pick yes. to lead his people. Yes. Once I can give hope. Yes. Praise God. And that's what he's saying to us. God has been telling us for years, there's coming a time where there's going to be a slew of people that are going to be looking for hope. They're going to come here. What are we going to give them? Well, we're going to give them hope. We're going to give them faith. We're going to encourage them. We're going to go to their backbone and say, be encouraged. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Yeah, I love that word encouragement. The original definition of encouragement is a good kick in the rump. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The the old English encouragement. And they even made uh, a tapestry where the men are going to war and the king, yeah, and, and, but the king is there and he's kicking them all in the rump, boom, and it says the king is encouraging his troops. <laughs> Sometimes that's what we have to do. Get up! Get your stuff together! <laughs> Hallelujah. So be strong, courageous, 
For, this, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. And it's interesting because those are the people that prosper. Those are the ones that go through the process, they prosper. The ones that give up, never prosper. Second Chronicles 32, verses 6 through 8. Then he set captains over the people, and he gathered them together in the open, the open square at the city gate. And he gave them encouragement, saying, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor dismayed before the king of Assyria. Second Chronicles 32, verse 6 through 8. Do not be afraid of the king of Assyria, nor before all the multitude that is with him, for they are more with us than with him. With him is the arm of flesh, but with us is the Lord our God to help us fight our battles. And the people were strengthened by the words of Hezekiah, the king of Judah. So that's number one, be strong and courageous. Number two, walk holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y, complete with a complete heart before the Lord and his power. In Numbers 14, verse 20, then the Lord said, yes, I have pardoned according to your word. He was speaking to Joshua. And he had gotten very angry at his people, because his people, or rather Moses, um, he, he had gotten very angry at his people, because his people continued to resist him, continued to criticize God. Uh, any little thing that happened, they would criticize. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to your word. But truly as I live, all of the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. Because all these men who have seen my glory and these signs which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have put me to the test now these ten times, and have not heeded my voice, they certainly shall not see the land of which I swore to their fathers, nor shall any of these who rejected me see it. But my servant Caleb, because he has a different spirit in him, and he has followed me fully, I will bring into the land where he went, and his descendants shall inherit it. it turned off? All right. Now, when I read that in the New Living Translation, let me just read one verse, 24. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude. See, the old version says a different spirit. But what it actually means is a different attitude. What was the attitude? It says, than others have, he has remained loyal to me. Wow. See, now I get it. He has followed me fully. What God was saying, he remained loyal to me. In other words, he trusted me through the process. He didn't turn around and say, I'm not going to trust you anymore. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. Wow. And then uh, in Numbers 26 through 31, I'm going to go down and I'm just going to read this part. He says, Except for Caleb the son of Jephunneh and Joshua the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. But your little ones, whom you said would be victims, I'll bring them in, and they shall know the land which you despised. Wow. So you see, God's intent in bringing in a generation. But which generation is he going to bring in? I want to be part of that generation. You see? So even though people around you are refusing to believe, if you are the only one in the room that believes, guess what? You're the only one that's going to eventually get the blessing. Because it has to do with your loyalty to God, your faith to God. When you show yourself loyal to Him, you're not perfect, but you continue to trust Him in spite of. Even if it doesn't look like you're going to get anything now, sooner or later, you're going to get the blessing. Because God sees your individual heart. I love it. I love it. The next thing we need to do is we need to humble ourselves before God and we need to resist. We need to resist the devil. Uh, James 4, 7 through 10. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. See, there are two things right there. Humble ourselves before who? Before God and resist the devil. See, so the issue here is we mostly, our default mechanism, is we humble ourselves before the devil and resist God. Because we, we start complaining right away. Oh God, where was your word? You see, that's how come I don't pray. It doesn't work. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the devil said, good, I got you. When, when the enemy tempted Jesus, what did Jesus do? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. 
Man shall live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So that was his default position. You weren't going to change him out of that. And he tested him three times, and three times he put the devil in his place. Are you going to go through issues? Yes. But God is saying, humble yourself before me and resist him. When, when these issues go, and what will happen is, and he will flee from you. Praise God. Praise God. Praise, praise God. Amen. The next point is, let your walk be seasoned with his peace. So, you, you know, we, we need to show a difference. And in, you don't show people the difference with your clothing. We had that issue years ago in, in, in the church, in church. Um, even my pastor told me that years ago, I want to say in the 70s, I asked him, how, is, how come it is you make the ladies wear pants only, I'm sorry, uh, um, um, skirts only, and, and they can't cut their hair? And why is it you make them do that when that really that's not in the word? And after I refuted some of their positions scripturally, the pastor finally admitted it. He says, because how will people know the difference between you and the world? He's got a point. If we all dress exactly the same way, oh, he must be from that group. I mean, you, you can know an Amish person by the way they dress, right? Yes, yes. Is he, but, but is he an Amish? Uh, Amish? I was going to say Amina, Amina. <laughs> 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 Ah, too much honeymooners. So if you, if you, <laughs> you can be an Amish in dress, but you might not have Amish heart. You see my point? <laughs> so the true, I crack myself up. So, so the true nature of, of a Christian is his walk of peace. It's not so much the dress. Although the Bible does tell us to dress modestly. And, and you know, you need to define what modest is. But modest is, is when you don't cause people to go bananas by your dress. So... But the point is, is that if you walk in a spirit of peace, after a while, people are going to discern that peace. Some will love you and some will hate you for it. But the Bible says, walk in peace. Put on the shoes of the peace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen. So we need to walk in the season. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all that He has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So walk in His peace. Reflect His peace. Let there be an atmosphere around you cultivated by a spirit of peace. And then the last thing uh, is stay alert and persistent. See, don't, don't back, back down. Stay alert. Be alert all the time. Let your default position be alert. I'm a motorcycle uh, rider. I, I, I love ri riding my motorcycle. I, I have a good time with it. Uh, I constantly hear that people had accidents, and, you know, and some people even say, are you crazy? Are you out of your mind? I said, no, I'm, I'm, very, uh, I'm very sober when I get on my motorcycle. One of the first, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I say that seriously. The first class I had in motorcycle school, uh, they open up this way. They say, as a motorcycle rider, you have to put this in your mind. Let it burn in your brain. And they're very adamant about it. He says, you're coming up against all these cars. Now I want you to think all these cars are 800-pound animals, drunk, wanting to hurt you. So, ah. So in my head, they gave me a vision that each car, there's a huge 800-pound animal in there that had too much to drink. And their goal in life is to hurt me. So my default position when I get on my motorcycle, is the first thing I do, I get on, make sure everything's working. Then I pray. And I plead the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ over myself. I pray a hedge of protection. ask God to protect me, to guard me and keep me. And then I ride and I watch for all those 800-pound animals. And I'm riding and if I see this guy going too fast, I Go ahead. I don't have to get there first. I just have to get there. When I see the motorcycles pass by me with wheelies and going fast, I go... I'm not in a rush. I'm going to get there. So I might be like one of those old grandpas. <laughs> but I'm going to get there. You see? see, always alert, always vigilant. I'm like that character in the monster story. I'm always watching you. Always watching. <laughs> yeah. You can't stop watching. You, you know, when you relax, you stop watching. And that's when you get cocky. That's right. And that's when you, you get messy. And that's when things start happening. As Christians, we don't have that luxury of, of, of not watching. Every, every relationship I go into, I look at the person and I, 
God bless you. And, you know, I appreciate them for who they are, but I'm watching. Okay. Uh-huh. See? Okay. All right. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I don't know what, what did he say? Lord, well, what's this all about? I do that on purpose. I'm open. Uh, I'm very cordial, but I'm watching. Because sometimes the devil sends em- emissaries your way to, right. to try to knock you off of your peace, knock you off of your faith, because that's what he wants to do. The battle is against your faith. So always be vigilant, ever watching. 1 Peter 5.8. And this is the last verse I'll give you. 1 Peter 5.8. It says, stay alert. Say to your neighbor, stay alert. Stay alert. Stay alert, watch out for your, for, for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, and if you keep on reading, it says, it says the same thing's happening to your brothers and sisters around the earth. He said, but don't worry, and God is with you. So watch out, stay alert, stay persistent. Put on the whole armor, the full armor of God, so that you'll be able to stand in that day. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Remember, there's a group of people that are waiting for you. There's a family that's waiting for you. There's a community that's waiting for you. Praise God. There's a promotion that's waiting for you. Amen. Praise God. Really, really, there is. There's a promotion that's waiting for you. Praise God. There's grace and favor uh, in your relationships. That's why some people don't like you, because they see their grace and favor in you. They're jealous of you. Right. Amen. That, that, that's, why, that's why you go through these issues, because you have to go through the per- persecution to, in order to get to your hundredfold. At the other side of your persecution is your hundredfold. It's amazing how, how you can actually go through a greatest fight, and just when you're about ready to give up, boom, you get your greatest breakthrough. Right. Yesterday I was going to South Jersey, and I said, I'm going to take... Uh, the, the Holland Tunnel because it takes me the farthest south in the Jersey Turnpike because I had to go to exit 3 I was home I got to sleep almost at 1 in the morning uh, yesterday because it was a long drive to and fro so I figured I'd take the Holland Tunnel because when you go to the Lincoln Tunnel it's too much traffic from the east to the west side you got to deal with so much mess so I don't want to deal with that I'm just going to go straight Holland and I got into Holland it was nice and open smooth beautiful I got to the other side Jersey City smooth I went into that one nine thing that ends up taking you to that weird bridge that gets you to exit 14 yeah. then three lanes became two two lanes became one and then all the cars in front of me not moving at all so I'm there going okay this I'm not liking very much yeah New Yorkers hate traffic jams and I be New Yorker so after half hour thing is still not moving after one hour it's still not moving I says oh come on I've got to go three hours and a half I call my wife and I'm just letting her oh, you don't know what's going on this is horrible why did it happen why why the sun the moon and the rain why so I'm upset, I'm venting, and she's like, okay, honey, okay, okay, okay. So I love her for that. All right, so I hang up, and then two minutes later, I got the breakthrough, and the traffic started going. I went, <laughs> 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 Sometimes. <laughs> luckily, luckily, she was not like right next to her. She would have gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sometimes we are, we, we're just there, and... We, we, we give up or yeah. we stop fighting we stop fighting the fight of faith and we get into the flesh or, and, and then later on we realize you know we were almost there True. then you go 10-15 steps back don't do that yeah. keep your, your, your focus because yes. uh, there's a world that needs you there's a people that need you yeah.